Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I wanted you to see who I am. I know who you are. I think. You first uh, lied to me about height, right? And then you want to give me a STD test, right? And about mouthwash and why you tell me I know I'm, I'm, I have a sick and I have an ulcer. So I'm disappointed because you always embraced me. Yeah. And about to my sister, I think you you think me like my sister, same. Uh, you think uh, I want your money, not you. You give me feel a little bit personally. I think you not love me. I'm done. Episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Oh, 90 Day Fiance, you guys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Keeps getting better and also worse at the same time. <laughs> um, let me just quickly go through the last episode of Self Quarantine. There really wasn't like a whole lot to talk about, to be honest with you. Um, Darcy and Stacy are going through it, not being able to have their spa treatments, uh, get their hair done, their nails done it's it's a rough situation Darcy's hair looks like you know those Barbies that you can get from the dollar store that just like they aren't quite right and like they don't have that like you know that like luxurious Barbie hair it's like when you brush it it immediately gets tangled and and um frizzy it's kind of like that but also like if you put it in a microwave like that poor girl, I don't know who is doing these women's uh, hair extensions, but they need to be shot. It, it, their hair so dry, Darcy especially, so dry, so fried from being that dyed blonde, blonde, platinum blonde. It's honestly like a hate crime. Um, that was basically it. Darcy tried to, well, she did order like a kit so they could do their nails and that didn't work out so well. Um, that's basically it. I gotta say that her children, it's interesting to see the kids because we expect, you know, like a lot of these reality stars have work done. So it's like the only way to really figure out what they look like is to find, you know, the underage kids who aren't allowed to get their work done yet to see what was really going on. And I gotta say, Aniko and Aspen are beautiful. Aspen is only in eighth grade and she, I mean, has this girl ever have an awkward phase? Like, kill me. Like, do you know how great my life would have been if I was as pretty as Aspen? 
in middle school. Like, truly, these children have no idea how good they have it. Like, I was, you know, wearing, like, starting to shift from, like, limited to to Aeropostale and, um, you know, just, like, wearing Hawaiian shirts and Oh, it was a hot mess, but, uh, wow, cargo pants, a lot of cargo pants. <laughs> it's very sad. Anyway, that was basically the end of them. Pedro and Chantel, really nothing super interesting there. Chantel lost her sense of smell, but she's too scared to go to the hospital because she feels like if she does go to the hospital, she is going to get um, coronavirus if she doesn't have it already. Um, I was so, yes, I'm, I'm going to admit something that I'm really stupid I was like trying to figure out because I love Pedro I think he's so funny he's such a delight to me and I was trying to remember Chantel's name and I was like what is her name Pedro and the family Chantel but what is her name the family Chantel what is her oh I guess it's Chantel huh Um, she's just so boring to me. Um, yeah, that's basically it. They are stuck in the house. She has not left the house. Um, Pedro is the one who goes to the store. Um, and she hasn't left the house at all. She's feeling very claustrophobic, um, because they live in a one bedroom and Pedro has taken up a lot of the living room space to, you know, play his video games. He's loving life. He got a nice little uh, Canon camera. Uh, They do a photo shoot on the balcony at one point. And let's just say Pedro's not going to be the next Gilles Ben-Simone. We'll put it that way. (laughs) Um, That was basically it. Um, Steven and Olga, they're, you know, Olga's now in America. They're living with Steven's grandma. They were planning on living with her for a few months until they could afford to move out to the West Coast where Olga has family. But obviously those plans have changed since the pandemic has happened. Uh, he is now working as a delivery driver for Domino's and she, Olga, makes him take off his clothes uh, outside before he can come back inside. Uh, I gotta say, I think the best, well, let me take that back. The most compelling story was, of course, Caesar. He isn't working right now because he's a nail tech, but he says that he's been teaching his clients virtually how to do their own nails in exchange for like a little bit of money. Um, you guys, Ugh. He goes to teach one of his clients how to do a pedicure. He takes off his sock and reveals, like, nails so long, toenails so long, they're actually curled over his toes. They're, he, he clearly has, like, a fungus situation going. His tails are black, like, black and thick and chunky. <laughs> I should have put a trigger warning in front of They're so nasty. I hate feet so much. He, um, yeah, I mean, she clearly was horrified and all of America was horrified. Um, what else did we learn? Um, we heard some news that I don't quite believe because, you know, we'll get into that. But basically, he reveals to the producers that he, after filming he ended up going, like, trying to contact, uh, Maria, the girl that he was, you know, with, in quotes, uh, during his season. He tried texting her, calling her, she didn't answer, so he claims that he decided to go to Ukraine to, like, have some closure, figure everything out. So, apparently he messaged her, when he was there saying, I'm here. And she was a little bit upset about the fact that he, you know, she's like, I wasn't even talking to you. So it's like weird as hell that you would come all the way over here. But he claims that she went to the hotel where he was staying and they had a nice chat. They talked. She, uh, didn't hold his hand, but like held his arm, like, you know, like she was being escorted. No pun intended on that. Um, And the producers ask if he 
took any pictures or any video of her? Like, do you have any proof that you got, that you went over there and you saw her? And he says that he did take pictures, but when he sent them to her, they got deleted. Does that make sense to you? Unless he put them in a folder, like a Google Doc folder, and then she deleted them herself. I don't really know how the pictures would have been deleted. And then, of course, still they would have been on his phone. I don't know. He says that there's no evidence of them having been together, that he didn't even realize that the pictures had been deleted until he had gotten on the plane. We get like a two-second um, video of him, like getting on the plane or being on the plane. And that's really it. But he says that, you know, they had a nice conversation that there was closure and everything is fine, but you know, he's good because he has met somebody else. <laughs> lordy, lordy, lordy. So apparently he met this chick, a 21 year old Caesar is 48. So he could fully be this woman's father. Um, he met this woman on Facebook. Her name is Aya. She lives in New Orleans. He claims that he's not giving her any sort of money, but, you know, obviously their plans to meet one-on-one -on -one have been on hold because of coronavirus, so he plans his virtual date with her, which, lordy, lordy, I'm yawning because I'm just exhausted of this man. He, you know, takes, he's so excited for this date. He's, like, doing, you know, I think what a lot of people do is they, like, make up a little song when they're, like, really excited to do something. Um, he's got his candles, fragrant-scented candles. He has, uh, some barefoot wine. He's got, uh, chocolate strawberries, uh, whipped cream, canned whipped cream, uh, all for this virtual date. He even laid out a table with a red tablecloth and a white uh, plastic chair in his living room to match his white button-down shirt and his wrinkled white bugle boy jeans. And we meet Aya, who looks and acts like she has... She's running on a limited um, amount of brain cells, it would appear, she, you know, I don't know if there was like a Xanax, a propofol situation happening, um, but she just seemed very, um, reserved and, uh, um, disconnected from reality, <laughs> we'll say. She made him a cake, which really looked more like brownies, and wrote his name in red frosting with a heart next to it. It's very romantic. She's like, why don't you come over here? Why don't you hitchhike to my house? I would love to see you. This is such a fun date. And at the end, they toast him with an actual glass of wine and her with uh, what looked like uh, Juicy Juice or something um, with, uh, you know, those like, I don't even, I didn't even think they made these anymore. Those like little Dixie cups with like the cartoons on them that we all used to have like in the 90s like I'm honestly surprised those cups made it out of 1997 um but that was the end of self-quarantine it's you know it, I feel like for every like three storylines that they have there's only like one and a half that are really interesting so we'll see if I keep up with the uh recaps on that let's get into before the 90 days Let's start with, you know, I like to just do, get through the boring ones first. Uh, let's do Tom and Darcy. Darcy's story is basically wrapped up completely. She, you know, she's taking time. She's healing. She's, you know, focusing on her family, blah, blah, blah. Things we've heard 10,000 times from Darcy before. She had, decides to mail back the key that Tom gave her at the end of their season, um, that little like Hogwarts looking key. Um, I swear he told her this is the key to my house in London, but she said in her scene that it was the key that he gave it to her as a symbol of the key to his heart. So she's mailing it back to him. She's got like a whole like eight, um, stamps and like those, those like yellow manila envelopes to 
send his key back. But then I noticed that uh, he, she put, the only part of the address that we could see is that she put Boulevard. And I was thinking, there probably aren't that many boulevards in in England, right? Turns out they were very rare. So a listener actually had reached out to me and said that Tom is actually living in Long Island City, which is a neighborhood in Queens. And so I honestly, like, I am kind of a, I don't know if purist is the right word, but I don't really like to follow people on social media when I'm watching their shows. I don't like to be spoiled anything. I just like to watch the shows, like, as a pure watcher. So that's, you know, if anybody's ever wondered, like, why it is that you, uh, <laughs> um, that I like am never spilling the tea on thing. That's because like I genuinely don't know and I don't want to know and I don't want to know things until after the seasons have wrapped. So I went to go look at his uh the only person on any day I, f- I follow is Darcy, and that's truly because like her Instagram account is so divorced from reality. <laughs> like you really she never really says anything. It's just like pictures of her that are like heavily edited and it's talking about like have a great day don't remember don't forget to like let your light shine don't let anybody dim your light like it's motivational it's aspirational it's delusional and that's really all the things that I need out of a uh you know reality star's social media presence um so anyway I went to look at Tom's and it turns out yeah he does live appear to live in Queens, however, I guess he recently left because of the coronavirus. He went back to England for the foreseeable future. Um, so, yeah. So, Tom's storyline is like, he's still in Manhattan. He's walking around on the High Line. And he's talking about how, you know, he's like, there were two sides to Darcy. Like, the one that's really lovable, the sweet side, and then also the side that nobody can handle. But he's focusing on his future. And then he goes to FaceTime his new potential girlfriend, Shannon. Now, everybody was curious, is like, is Shannon European? Like, what's the deal with that? Um, it turns out she's Canadian. She lives in Toronto. And... He FaceTimes her from the bar and she's like asking, you know, like what happened with Darcy? What's the deal? Um, she's trying to like get down to like brass tacks here and saying like, okay, well, like, did you have feelings for Darcy? Like, was this a conversation to like figure things out or like, you know, like what was the deal? And Helen is like, you know, being the classic bullshit artist and saying like, oh, you know, honestly, like, I just felt so sorry for Darcy and, um, you know, I left the situation. Well, he tells us that he left the situation with, with Shannon open, but now that things are done with Darcy, he can pursue things with her. He tells Shannon that things with the situation with Darcy was a train wreck and he, you know, like him saying like, oh, I felt sorry for her. Like, that's a lie. You didn't feel anything for her except for an opportunity to be on TV. Like, I don't even want to hear it. Like, you never cared about this woman. You're only for yourself. Like, you just want to be famous in whatever way you can get it. And he's just so gross. He's such an opportunist. Um, so then... He says, like, oh, I would be happy to never speak to Darcy again. And then he tells her, like, oh, you know, I was just going to go to London, back to London after this. But I think I will just head up to Toronto instead. So they make plans to uh, see each other in a couple days. Whatever. Um, Who do we want to get to now? Oh, Yolanda and Williams. Let's just get this out of the way. <laughs> so where we left out last episode... Demonte and Kara, her two of her kids, were going to do a reverse image search on the pictures that Yolanda had of Williams. So several search results pop up, and of course, you know, no surprise here, it's stock photos. The the, uh, results that come back say things like shirtless outdoor stock photos and handsome muscular shirtless hunk outdoor 
in City Park. Like, <laughs> Kara is side-eyeing the hell out of Yolanda and asks how she feels that Williams used a stock photo. She's like, how do you feel that he used a stock photo to reel you in, basically? Yolanda's still playing stupid, and she's like, well, is it possible that it's just a coincidence? Girl, come on. Yolanda's like, well, who have I been talking to this whole time? And, and uh, you know, half the jig is up, I guess. Yolanda was like, well, thank you guys for doing this, but I still want to talk to him, Williams, and find out what's going on. Because on one hand, you know, I do see these stock photos, but on the other hand, we have real conversations and feelings that we've developed. And she starts being realistic but then goes straight back into denial and uh says you know Kara says like you know what maybe I just need to like get a private investigator so that she finally gets it that was the end of Yolanda and Williams um so who should I go to next let's do Lisa and Usman um we left them Lisa was walking away from Usman and giving him the finger because he tried to lay down the law and tell her that he's a Nigerian man and that in his culture that this is how you know like the men are typically um you know like the leaders in the relationship and that like the women are you know more submissive and Lisa's like well I'm not submissive I'm American and he needs to you know, I'm not Nigerian. And he goes after her, calls after her, and she calls him stupid and tells him that he's acting like an idiot. This would all be a completely fair argument if you haven't been running shit. Like, you're Massa, and he's, you know, like, like watching them is like watching, you know, like a scene out of Roots, practically, except he's not shackled. They're, like, driving around in a Range Rover. But anyway... Usman says that he's afraid that their cultural differences may be too much for them to get past. And he asks Lisa, like, are you ready to do this? Are you ready to get married? And Lisa's like, well, you know, we need to find like a middle ground, a common ground. Usman says that he understands that she's American. And Lisa's saying like, you know, we have to have a relationship be 50-50. And he was like, as a Hausa man, as a Nigerian man, like, that's not really my culture. He said, I'm willing to go 60-40 with me being 60%, um, purely because you're American. <laughs> so now they're flying back uh, from his hometown back to Abuja, which is where they were initially so they could get married. They have like three days left, I think, before she has to go back to America. Um, so the plan is for them to have a courthouse wedding. So then they head to the registry office and of course Lisa has complaints about the state of the building. She's like, oh, I thought this was going to be so much nicer, but it, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, their ceiling fans are fake flowers. Like, you know, they're open wires. It is in a state of disrepair, but you have been in this town before and you know what it looks like. Did you expect that there was just going to be some like gleaming all brick, you know, American style, uh, courthouse, <laughs> Okay, um, so then they, they're in the registry office and they're asking the man, like, what are the steps that we need to take in order to get married? So the first step in the process is that they post the notice, like, these two people are set to be wed outside of the building so that if anybody, you know, anybody in the town can look at it and they can say, like, oh, this is my husband, this is my wife, because they don't do you know, plural marriages, um, so then they also need, he, he also asks like, oh, have either of you guys been married before? And Usman's like, well, Lisa has been married. She's been divorced for five years. And basically they need her declaration, decree of divorce and able to, in order to move forward. Of course, Lisa's pissed she looks right at Usman cuts her eyes at him and is like just so pissed off and she's like you know how am I gonna get this these papers in the three days left you know all the way from Pennsylvania to here 
Um, so then, you know, it's apparently it's all Usman's fault because she asked him over and over and over again to figure out what documents she needed as if she's like, I asked you six months ago, three months ago, one month ago, two weeks ago, one week before I got here. Like, why couldn't you do this? And I just want to know, like, do they not have Google in York, Pennsylvania? Like, I know it's kind of an Amish town, but can't be that far behind. Like, in all these times that you asked him, like, couldn't you just hit up, like, couldn't you have asked Jeeves? <laughs> like, what, what's, what's the issue here? Like, sure, he could have done that. But if you were so uncomfortable and untrusting of him, this is something that you could have done on your own, Lisa. You're a grown woman. Like, <laughs> put your... Never mind. I <laughs> I just I, I, she just is so frustrating to me, and she puts everything on him. Like everything is his fault, and it is just so annoying. Uh, let's move on to Stephanie and Erica. So they are planning on going to Erica's parents for dinner, and tonight is the night that Erica is going to come out to them. Stephanie's actually being nice. They've been on good terms for the past couple episodes. Um, and she's saying, you know, like, this is like a really big deal for Erica, which is like a really big deal for me because it really, you know, it's a, it's going to be a big step in our relationship for her to come out. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And on the way, Stephanie asks if there is a chance that Erica might not come out to them. You could tell that she's getting like more and more nervous the closer that they get. And Erica says, you know, I want to say that there's no chance, but like if I'm getting a weird vibe from them, like I might just back out of it. So they get to the house. Her parents are named Simon and Jane. Jane. They seem really warm and friendly, like really nice people. Um, Eric had previously told them about, uh, Stephanie's illness. And so they kind of chat about that. And he was like, okay, well, have you guys had time? Her dad, Simon's like, have you guys had fun? And, and Stephanie's like, yes. And he was like, Erica, have you had fun? And she's like, yeah, we have had a lot of fun. He's like, no, I'm asking, have you had fun? And she was like, yeah, I've had fun. But the reason I keep saying we is because Stephanie is actually my partner. And Simon's response to that was, well, do you want any more fried rice? And they say it's like, not really a worry for them. It's just super, like just information. They're like really, really chill about it. Um, her mom, Jane says, you know, there are a lot of people who don't get to have love in their lives because they're too worried about what other people think. But like, this is not an issue for us. And frankly, kind of thought you were gay anyway. So (laughs) this is of no surprise to me. Um, it honestly like gets me a little bit emotional because they're really like just so kind and just so like, 
you know, like I, I would imagine anybody who comes out would want a situation like that where they're just like, yeah, you're your own person. Like, you know, we're, this is not a surprise to us, but even if we didn't know, like we love you anyway, and we really don't care. Like it, it was just really, really sweet. Um, they ask Stephanie what her deal is. What the hell was that? They asked Stephanie what her deal is, um, if she has come out to her family and Stephanie's like, no, she's like, I'm a little bit worried. She's like, you guys have been so cool about this. I'm like, you know, it makes me wonder how much different it's going to be with my family. Um, and they also like, you know, they ask about their relationship and, you know, what they're planning on doing moving forward. And, um, they tell them that they, uh, you know, like the plan is if everything goes well, that Stephanie, or excuse me, that Erica will move to New York. Like I said, they're really, really chill and nice. And, you know, their real main concern was like, you know, obviously those girls live very far away from each other. Our only concern is that they're, one of them is going to have to make concessions for the other in terms of like moving to be closer together. Honestly, that was it. They were really, really cool people. Oh, who should I get to next? Oh, let's do, let's do David and Lana. So David is back in Las Vegas with nothing to show but his AirPods. <laughs> um, his friend, Keisha, James, no, <laughs> um, I'm seeing so many things. His friend, James, picks him up from the airport and says, David's like, well, I've been through hell and back. And David says that he's emotionally spent from the whole situation. And Jim's like, well, what happened? And David says that he has not heard a thing from Lana since he showed up to the old man's house. And since he got, uh, ghosted at the restaurant that he was supposed to show up to, um, they, get back to David's house and they sit down and have a little talk. And David says, you know, I still want closure. And I wonder if maybe Lana didn't show up because she's shy. You guys, <laughs> if that was the case, don't you think she would have communicated that to you in the seven years and four times that you've gone to Ukraine to meet her? Like, come on guy. Um, he tells Jim that he plans on getting a private investigator and I'm hoping like, since they're both in Las Vegas, can David and Kara like get a two for one special on a private investigator? Like, you know, just, just to cut down on costs for all the money that he's been spending on this woman. Like, my gosh. Um, Jim says what we're all thinking, which is, you know, at some point you got to realize Delana's fake and you're not going to ever get closure on this situation because she's fake. <laughs> and David's like, well, come on guy. Like, of course she's real. And Jim's like, you know what? I wish you the best of luck, but I really wish that you would not go down this path anymore. So, <laughs> um, then let's see what happens. Oh, his friend, Victoria, who's we met like in the first introduction to David. She's also Ukrainian. Um, she comes over to translate the results. He got to, um, he got to, uh, excuse me. He got the results from the private investigator, but obviously he doesn't speak Ukrainian, uh, fluently. So he, she comes over. So then they get on the phone with this guy. This is so funny, you guys. So <laughs> Victoria asks, like, oh, you know, like, are there any updates? And the investigator talks and talks and talks. We They don't translate it on the TV for us. It's just Victoria. So after he says, like, his blurb, uh, Victoria says, okay, well, the investigator believes that this is a scam because when we checked all the data that you gave us, we found out that this girl has several dating accounts under different names. David's response to this is, that's a lie. <laughs> okay. Um, Victoria then says that Lana communicated with many different men under different pseudonyms 
And the investigator also tells Victoria that, um, you know, like, look, just again, she uses the same picture with different names. And David's like, well, that's not her. And other people have been using her name and her picture to, to catfish. And Victoria's like, come on, guy. Like, the, the investigator's still on the phone, by the way. Victoria's like, how long are you going to lie to yourself? And David says, let's be real here. I know her. To which Victoria replies, but you've never met her. And David says, well, you're listening to him and he's just giving you false information. And Victoria's like, you're the one who hired this guy. Like, I'm just the translator. David is getting more and more cagey about the situation. And Victoria's like, you know what? I'm really worried that you're acting this way and behaving like this because Lana's a scammer, my guy. Like, come on. The investigator goes on to say that, like, this is, as we all have learned, this is a very common practice in Ukraine. Um, Scamming is her income. And the fact is, you guys have had four chances to meet and it hasn't happened. So at this point, you just need to cut your losses and start fresh. David's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, And so they hang up and Victoria's like, why would you even hire a private investigator if you didn't want to hear what he said and you get mad at the answers and David's like well I didn't hear anything that I didn't already know she's not scamming and she's not earning money from the website that I'm using <sighs> okay you don't think that she's wasn't getting a cut off of that hundred thousand dollars that you've spent over the past seven years like come on dude David says that he doesn't trust anything that the private investigator said because he, the private investigator, doesn't know her, like, doesn't know Lana like I do, and I'm not going to give up until I meet her. Ugh. Ugh. The Patrick Bateman jumped out. Oh, lordy, lordy. Um, I'll, I think I want to end with, yes, I do. So let's go to Avery and Ash. Obviously, as we know, (laughs) Ash was humiliated on a level in which I've never seen and delighted before in my life last episode. So we catch him in the middle of walking off, trying to take his mic off. He's trying to get to his car. Um, The producer steps in and is like, where are you going? Um, And Ash is like really annoyed, but he decides to like come back and continue filming to speak to Avery. He says, you know what, the the seminar was not my brightest moment and Avery isn't happy with what I was trying to convey, but Avery puts me in moments where she tries to strip me down and I would never do that to her. Okay. Um, he tells Avery that he feels very attacked, shout out to RuPaul's Drag Race, and that sometimes she is patronizing. She. Okay. <laughs> she starts to talk and he interrupts her and is like, do I make you feel safe? Do I make you feel like a woman? Do I make you feel protected? All this stuff. And she's like, well, yeah, but the only reason why we're really happy is because I'm not telling you the truth. Because when I try to talk to you and reason with you and I try to ask you the hard questions, you basically like freak out. And Ash keeps acting like Avery's the problem. Like, he's a complete gaslighter. So then we go back to the Airbnb the next day. Avery's sitting on the couch. Ash walks out of the apartment and into the hallway. And he's, like, all stressed out. And he says that they have been fighting since last night. That they fought all the night before. And that, um... This is Avery who says that. They fought all the night before and she feels like Ash gets really defensive when she challenges him in any way. So Ash goes on to say that Avery has stripped him down in a way that as a man, he doesn't know how to deal with. Ding, ding, ding. That's the real problem. Why aren't you getting that? And it's like, you know, the night before as a coach, I really failed to communicate properly, but Avery, you're like a pit bull who just won't let go of what happened. And you called me sexist and that we, you know, haven't been able to stop arguing since then. He tells her that his heart is broken, that Avery didn't have his back at the seminar. 
bro, you didn't have your own back at the seminar. You walked out like a bitch. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Come on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com uh, Then he says that Avery is heartless. And he's acting like, this is like a true soap opera. Like, he's in passions or something. And he was like, well, why did you hurt me? And... You know, the way you acted, your reaction to my seminar was really hurtful to me. And I feel like a kicked dog. Like, why is everything now her fault? Why is your epic failure and your failure to communicate at the seminar and the fact that you were like such a douchebag, like, oh, women are from, you know, women are so emotional and and men have this nothing box and we go fishing and we are so compartmentalized and we're, we have to be the strong ones because you women are just so overly emotional and like we have to handle things because you guys are just delusional. <laughs> but you're acting now like you have been so hurt by the fact that you fucked up and that she's calling you out for it and that she doesn't understand you and how could you do this to me like get the fuck out of here dude um Avery's like you know I don't think you're a bad person but the things that you said at the seminar really concern me and am I supposed to act like I'm not seeing these red flags and Asha's well the issue now is not with me it's with you and Avery's like, okay, I feel like you're really trying to deflect here. <laughs> and he goes on and on about he didn't, how she didn't hear his pain and that she squashed him like an ant, blah, blah, blah. Avery's like, you know what? I I'm done. He goes to start packing and he's ranting to production about how she doesn't care. Why would I spend my life with somebody like that? And he takes his chunky sweater and his luggage and heads towards the door. Now we see in the next, the preview for the next episode that he's like arguing with her. So he doesn't like fully walk out. Obviously he also loves the camera. Um, so like as you know, quote unquote upset as he is, he's going to, uh, you know, like act, it, he's, he's going to stay in front of the camera as long as he can. So then, okay, let us end on the PS de resistance of 90 Day Fiance, Rosemarie and Ed. It is their second day on vacation and Ed is like feeling so great. He says that he feels a hundred percent sure that Rose knew nothing about Maria reaching out to him for money before he came and they're in the pool. They're like having a great time. And, um, Rose is like, you know what, frankly, I'm a little bit hurt by the fact that he would even think that, but I can forgive him because I love him and I want to enjoy my vacation. But of course she can't do that for very long because he has yet to tell her about his plans to get a vasectomy. So they get to swim in the pool for about three minutes before he sits her down and tells her that having more kids is not something that he wants and that before he got here that he had actually scheduled two vasectomy appointments um, and that he's not going to be budging on this at all. 
Rose was the MVP of the season for the things that she does after this. She starts off by correctly pointing out that she told him, this was my dream, was to have two kids. You knew this before I got here. Why didn't you say this to me yesterday when I brought it up again? Why did you not say this to me before you even came to the Philippines? Because I told you. And he, like, puts his foot down. And he's like, frankly, you know, I have a 28-year-old daughter. I am 54, 55. He's like, and he's like, I'm not the richest man in the world. He's like, I only really have enough love and money to support you and Prince. And Rose is like, well, I, this is kind of a lot for me. My mind's going every which way right now. And I need time to think about this. Um... So, the next day, Ed wakes up in his hotel, and Rosemary has left the room, and she's not answering any of his text messages or phone calls. He went to the front desk to see if maybe she left a message, and she didn't, um, and he says that he's walked all around the resort to find her, but he can't. So then he goes to sit down, um... And it's talking about like, you know, I came into the vacation, you know, and I thought Rose was all into, you know, I, I came to the Philippines thinking like Rose was all in for marriage and that I was the one who needed to be convinced. But now it's like a complete 180 and I'm all in and like she's having concerns. So Rose actually shows up and she sits down and she's like, you know what? I woke up early this morning and I had to leave because I needed time and space to think on my own and think about this and because it's a huge decision and you know she's like to be honest with you I don't feel good about the idea of like not having children anymore and that having kids was my dream and she asked Ed like why again like why did you not tell me the truth about not wanting to have a kid before you got here and he was like well I just really wanted to get to know you and vice versa and see if we can compatible and I wanted you to see who I am now this I think is complete trash like I he thinks that she's so stupid he thinks that he is in complete control because he has taken advantage of the fact that, like, he wasn't sure. He put up all these roadblocks in her way. He knew something that was a completely deal-breaking situation about the fact that he does not want to have kids and that she absolutely does. He decided to make the decision for her that, like, we were going to spend time together and then maybe... And I, this had to be what he was thinking, like, maybe if she learns to like me enough that I could just drop this bomb on her about not wanting to have kids and she'll just be okay with it. Like, that is completely, completely unfair to her. Like, if this is a 100% no, that it's not fair. It is not fair to make that decision for her. Like, it, it just isn't. And so, like I said, Ed goes on to say, like, I wanted you to see who I am. Rose. My bitch Rose. Rose goes on to say, oh, I think I know who you are. You first lied to me about your height, right? And then you wanted me to get an STD test, right? And then the mouthwash. Why would you tell me that? He said, I know my breath smells I mean she didn't say that but she's like I know I have an ulcer and that you know the result of that is that I have a you know a, a, a breath issue she's like so I'm disappointed because you always embarrass me and you bring up my sister and I think that you think that we're the same that you think that I just want your money and not you said, you make me feel small all the time. I don't think that you love me. I don't think that you ever loved me. And frankly, I'm done. Get his ass, bitch. Like, I died. I love it. She came with the receipts. 
He looked so embarrassed. He looked so stupid. She got him. She said everything with perfection. Every time he humiliated her rather than, I mean, she did get upset and she did stand her ground, but rather than like really popping off on him, she just filed it away. And because I think she probably knew at some point he's going to trip up. And at that point, I'm going to drop bomb after bomb after bomb. It's going to be bombs over Baghdad, bitch. And I am going to get you. And she did. That was one of the most iconic scenes on the show I have ever seen. I loved it. I was clapping. I was pointing at the TV saying, yes, bitch, yes. I am Rosemary. Hear me roar. You are a short little dickhead. And you just think that you can do whatever you want in this relationship and that I just have to sit here and take it that you can treat me like absolute garbage and that I am supposed to love you anyway and now you're gonna tell me the one thing that I want more than anything you are not willing to give me at all and fuck you dude I am done it was flawless execution Something that we have never seen before on TV. It was amazing. It was perfect. It was iconic. Shout out to you, Rose. You're a legend. And with that, you guys, I am done with my 90 Day Fiance recap for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Check out my Patreon, All About Lindsay Lohan. It's at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast announcement to come soon for the next show that I'll be recapping, but I think you guys are going to be really excited about it. (sighs) Have a great week. Goodbye.